You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi there, you're joining me for episode 167 of the Blended Family Podcast. I really don't have many announcements today. I know I gave you an earful last week. Things are going well on my end, aside from being a bit busy, but I'm managing. You might have noticed I've got some new photos up on both the website and the Facebook pages, which we desperately needed. Our old photos were like three years old. They were actually from when I first started the podcast. We all look drastically different, you'll notice. It was kind of hard getting everyone to participate at the ages they are. We only had a few great photos to choose from where everyone had their eyes open and they were smiling or sort of smiling, but for now they'll do. It is the first show of the month, so I'm bringing you a guest interview today as well as I have a giveaway, so make sure you stay tuned at the end to find out who the winner is. If you're new to the show, once you subscribe to my list, you are automatically entered into those monthly giveaways. I do one the first show of every month, and to join, just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. Speaking of this, one of the things I did want to mention today is that I had another issue, this time with that mailing list. I'll tell you, it's so strange lately. I've been having all of these weird glitches with my sites. This time, a listener brought it to my attention that she didn't receive the free quiz that you are all supposed to get when you subscribe. You see, I don't know if there's an issue unless someone brings it to my attention. And there are so many moving parts with these websites. If anyone out there is running a site, you know that there are links and there are just all kinds of problems that come up. And I don't really test those things out on a regular basis. You you set it and you kind of forget about it. Anyway, I went into my mailing list server and I found that something was paused, which means that the welcome email and the quiz were not sent out, I don't think, to the last 300 and something people. And I'm so sorry that this happened, but I honestly had no idea. This wasn't something that I did, and I have no idea why or how it happened. So I went ahead and fixed the issue, and it appears that everyone who was missing that might have gotten it sent now all at once, but I really don't know for sure. So if you have subscribed and you did not get the free quiz, and you still haven't even this week after I fix the issue, please don't hesitate to email me. Reach out. I will send out that quiz to you right away. Thank you to those listeners who have reached out to me to let me know of certain issues that are going on. And please, to everyone, if something seems amiss, if a link is broken, if something is wrong, if if I'm not responding to an email and it's been a really long time, just let me know. I don't know what I don't know. And I'm doing the best I can with this website. I'm not greatest with computer issues. So today we're covering finances again. Before we begin, I want to say to my listeners that I'm aware that we have already touched on both finances and estate planning for blended families, but I always think it's okay to revisit these topics. I know some of you are new and you haven't gone through the backlog of episodes, Uh, but besides all that, It's just an extremely important topic to discuss. 
In today's case, my guest has a personal story to add in addition to her expertise. So you'll find that we're covering some new ground here today, and I think you'll enjoy our conversation. So without further ado, here's the interview. Today, I'm speaking with Michelle Thompson. Michelle is an attorney and certified financial planner, helping blended families reach their financial goals. Prior to joining IRC Wealth, she had her own law practice where she focused on estate planning, primarily serving blended families. Michelle also had the opportunity to serve her community as a professional firefighter from 2004 to 2008. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Melissa. I'm super excited to be here. Good, and I want to jump right in with your story, Michelle, which is the reason I wanted you here today. Of course, we want to hear your ideas and advice surrounding estate planning, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But first, please start with telling us what happened in your own blended family, because I know that's what pushed you into your current career. It did, and I'm happy to share my story, because I think it's important for folks to hear, and and hopefully my experience can help others avoid what I went through. But um, as you mentioned, I'm a product of a blended family. My mom and stepfather married when I was three. And my stepfather was just like any other dad. He taught me to throw a ball, ride a bike, drive, all those things that fathers do. Um, And, you know, obviously he was a big part of my life. And he was married to my mom for just over 42 years. Um, My mom and my stepfather were super successful individually in their careers. And what's noteworthy is that they always kept their finances separate. Um, I don't believe that they even had a a joint house account. And and so that was always something that I was aware of and always wondered why. And and that was always the case. Um, My stepfather, although I did take his name, uh, I was never adopted by him. So essentially... We had no legal ties um, other than just being in a a family together. And in 2010, I went to law school with the intention of becoming Georgia's Aaron Brockovich uh, and went through my law school career in that direction until um, my next to last semester of law school. Uh, My mom passed away suddenly, and um, it was really just it was very devastating and disorienting for a number of reasons which you you and your audience will hear but um it was at that point you know with my mom as the nucleus and with her not there uh our family basically fell apart within 24 hours as as looking back i can see that that's exactly what happened and and really it's at that point that the blended family estate planning nightmare ensued. Um, my mom had taken steps to make sure that what her intentions were would hopefully happen. Um, she had created the living trust, and my stepfather was the income beneficiary, uh, but only if he needed the resources, because he was very well-to-do on his own right. And so, really what the trust was set up for, again, if my stepfather had any financial need, then it was there for him. And then at his passing, it, my mom's assets were to be transferred to me as the sole beneficiary because you know, she understood that I, she and I were the only family that I had, and she wanted to make sure that I was okay. 
in my later years. And and at her passing, as I mentioned, you know, that's when everything just went haywire. Um, I could see within 24 hours of her passing that my mom my mom had accounts that I had online access to and I happened to notice that one account in particular was over $700,000 in it um, mm. had gone into the negative within three days of my mom's passing and then it, it turns out Melissa like um, in hindsight I'm aware of what happened um, within about eight days my stepfather had taken over $4 million out of my mom's accounts Ugh. that w- that were in the name of the trust and put them in his account. Um, and it was, you know, a number of other things happened after that um, that really were so devastating, not only just the financial part. I mean, obviously, I'd lost my mom. The financial footing that I thought would be there was not there. But then I I come to find out that my stepfather, within three weeks of my mom's passing, took my mom's best friend to a trip to Aruba. And then then the sort of the nail was about three months um, to the day of my mom's passing. My stepfather married a neighbor. And so, you know, as, as you can imagine, it was a lot to try to digest and with his marriage, all my mom's resources that she had spent years and building in her career and throughout her lifetime, once he married, those became a marital asset with his new wife. And because of the age difference, more than likely, all my mom's assets will now go to my stepfather's wife's children. And, you know, what, what is so upsetting to me throughout this whole process was that my mom really thought that um, she had done the right thing. And if she knew the outcome today, you know, if, if, if she and I could talk, I know she would be just distraught about what happened and the way um, things turned out. And really what the gist of, I think, where the failure was with my mom's planning and with taking into account blended family was, uh, you know, my stepfather was appointed as the trustee. And so he had no oversight and, and just really could do, even though it wasn't what he was supposed to do as trustee, since he had access to the assets legally, he just chose to help himself and make them his. And so that's really the blended family um, nightmare come to fruition. And um, having lived it, that's really the impetus. Obviously, the interest in practicing environmental law was over very quickly. I felt like my passion and my experience and my knowledge, you know, I had to trial by fire, basically, to learn trust law and and the ins and outs of what what all this means and how does it impact people and how do blended families work within these confines, that was that was the impetus to, to change my direction in my law career. And so that's why I went into to trust law to help folks similarly situated to our family avoid this mess. 
Wow. Well, that is an unbelievable story. And I'm sorry for everything that you went through. Um, unfortunately, you know, that saying everything happens for a reason, it is not a good reason that you lost all that. But thank goodness that you were able to take that and now use it to to grow and to help other people so that they don't get in that same situation. Now, um, what I wanted to ask, so basically all of the assets were supposed to be left to you. But no matter what, if there's a trustee appointed to that account, which was your stepdad, it doesn't matter what your mom's wishes were. He's just able to do that. I mean, there's no there's no workaround there. I mean, that's just a loophole. So there is a workaround. And had my mom had you don't you don't have to be a fantastic lawyer to recognize that there's an issue there. But if she would have had a counsel that took any amount of time to sort of understand the dynamics of our family, the makeup. My stepfather has three children from a previous marriage. Um, you know, there there were obvious complexities and characteristics in our family that if her attorney who had drafted these documents had taken the time to just do some probing, yeah. it would. it's obvious that either there should have been a co-trustee where my stepfather and I together served mm-hmm. as trustees, or I think ideally is an independent trustee, like a, you know, whether it's a bank or an accounting firm or a trust attorney to serve as trustee, it would have never failed yeah. had, had, that, had that one decision been different. And that's really where the, you know, impact was. And that's what I always, you know, counsel people that everyone focuses on the distribution of assets, but really some of the primary and most important decisions that people make is in the appointments of who to serve as your trustee or your executor, the guardian for your children, things like that. So that's really significant decisions that impact the outcome that sometimes even attorneys who are working with clients don't take that into consideration, like in my mom's case. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that nobody thought, I mean, you've been his stepdaughter since you were three, did you say? So why would anybody think that he would do that to you? And can I ask, um, what, I mean, did he say anything to you about this? Did he have an explanation? Did he care? Did he, was he able to face you? I mean, how did that work out? So, um, right before my mom's funeral, Melissa, they were living on the coast a number of hours away. And when I got to their house, one thing that was, I knew things were weird right off the bat because a, his, his children were at my mom's house and I hadn't seen them since I was six. So they were really never part of our family. And I guess my stepfather just never chose to include them. And so they weren't. Um, so they were there, which was unique. Um, and we had a conversation. My stepfather just basically sat me down and was like, you know what? Since your mom's not here, I can be truthful that you're not my daughter. You've never been my daughter. Here are my kids in the other room. And this is how I feel. And that for all intents and purposes, the family that we had before, you know, three days ago doesn't exist anymore. And so it was, it was incredible, Melissa. I mean, you know, it still chokes me up because it just, you can't, I had no way, I could never have predicted this. Um, 
No, I mean, I have goosebumps all over from just hearing that. It's just heartbreaking. I'm so sorry. That is just that you did not deserve that. And it is very unfair. Um, my goodness. It's, it's funny how money definitely changes people. And you might think that you can trust somebody and then, you know, money comes into the situation and you realize that that person is not trustworthy at all. Um, and that's why this show today is so important. Now, the next question that I had, which you kind of already answered, but I'll ask it anyway in case you wanted to add anything, was that um, with your mom, I, I'm sure she made the best choices she could with what she knew at the time, and she didn't have good counsel. But, Michelle, now looking back with the knowledge that you now have, what did she set up correctly and where did she go wrong? We already kind of know where she went wrong. Um, but... Do you have anything to add to that? I do. And, you know, she got some great counsel. And with my stepfather um, back in the early 90s, when I was just graduating from undergrad, um, they had hired an attorney and they set up what's called an irrevocable life insurance trust. And so they put several life insurance policies in trust with me as the trustee and the primary beneficiary. And so thankfully despite his best efforts, that remained intact. And um, so that that was, she got some great counsel, they followed it, and that was something that withstood the, you know, debacle that we went through. And so that is one way to make sure and carve out, for instance, if, if there's adult children or other folks that perhaps someone, some of your listeners wanted to provide for and make sure that this is going to happen regardless of how the other assets are divvied up, then an irrevocable life insurance trust is mm-hmm. a great tool. And that's really something that's very common for blended families to use. And so thankfully that worked and it, and it withstood the onslaught. Good. At least that was something for you. Um, so you've always had an interest in finance, but it was this situation that made you shift your career so that you could help others avoid the same mistakes. So do you work mostly with blended families, and do you find those cases to be much more complex? So, you know, for whatever reason, the gravitational pull is towards blended families. And, and I, I don't know if words on the street that I'm a good resource or if it's just sort of the universe sends me folks that... I can understand and really empathize with their mm-hmm. situation and some of the emotional elements that they go through when they're doing planning. But, you know, I think that they don't necessarily have unique challenges or more challenges. It's just all of the things that the potential pitfalls or challenges that a blended family face when it comes to financial planning and estate planning can be addressed. It's really just having some frank conversations and getting your your needs and whatever intentions that you have out in the open so that they can be addressed. And, and all of these things can be addressed, but really it starts with a dialogue between the spouses and then sometimes, whether it's with a financial advisor or a state attorney or even a family therapist, to really start the dialogue. And from there, um, all of the challenges can be overcome. So it, it's not like these things can't be addressed, but 
they need to be discussed first so that everyone knows where they lie with this type of planning. Right. Okay. So let's say I come in to see you and I'm starting from scratch. I have nothing set up, no will, no estate, no guardian, nothing. Where do we start? Can you give us a basic rundown of what needs to be done in what order? So there's a number of things. I mean, depending upon what needs you have or intentions that you have, you know, you want to look at the basics. Where, what are your account beneficiaries? How are they titled? Do you have, you know, because oftentimes you'll find, which is kind of hard to believe, but it does happen, that the previous spouse is still the beneficiary of life insurance or their mm. 401k and things like that. So that's for square one. But really, as far as a will or trust or things like that, it is predicated on the makeup of your family, the age of your children, uh, things like that. So getting started is just, again, getting a knowledgeable person who's accustomed to working with blended families and then sitting down and hammering out what it is that you and your spouse want for whether you all have children together, you know, whether there's children from previous marriages, relationships, and then just honing how it is you want to provide for your surviving spouse, the children that you all have together, and then from previous relationships. It's just, honestly, I always defer to the dialogue because that's, you, you have to have someone to serve as a mediator and also someone who knows what questions to ask. And so from a planning standpoint, you can't hammer out a will and a trust and all these things without just getting to the root of what it is that the spouses want for each other and for their children. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I've been with Sean for over 10 years, and I am ashamed to say that we have nothing set up. It's really <laughs> not that we don't want to, but it just gets pushed to the side because there are so many pressing issues that need to be taken care of first. And I think that happens a lot in blended families. And then there's the monetary issue. So I know you sure. can't give us exact prices, but generally speaking, what does it cost to have someone help set all of this up? Is it affordable? And I'm asking because lots of blended families are on a strict budget. Sure. So depending upon, again, what type of planning you have and, and the level of complexity, where you live and all that stuff, has there's lots of moving parts to it. But what I would recommend is you know, engaging someone other than, say, rocket lawyer or something internet-based so that people can weigh in on the dynamics of your family and take that into account because I don't think any of the online planning facilities can do that. But I would say plan for anywhere from $1,000 to $4,000. Wow, okay. But what, what, but what I can say too, Melissa, is that People spend a lot of money on things that don't have this lasting impact that this type of planning does. And so it's even though that's a in a lot of people's minds, and it is a big number, it's really super, super important to make sure that all this is in place. And you don't have to have the best, most technical plan in place. What matters is to have something. Right. Because well, if you have nothing, the state's going to dictate what you have. Right. So so let's say um, I'm on a budget and I can't do everything at once. What is the 
first most important thing that I would want to do? Is that to set um, set a trustee? What What is the first thing that I'd want to do? So again, depending upon what it is that your listeners would want and how they want their assets right. distributed, it, the most inexpensive way is to look at their account beneficiaries. Okay, so that's the most. So that's thing. so that costs nothing. Okay, um, and then from there, just honestly, a basic will. Okay. Anything that would spell out what it is that they want for their spouse or their children. And then really going from there, it depends on the age of the children. If they're minors, you know, obviously they can't get a benefit if they're minors. But what's super important in that type of planning is determining who's, as I've said before, and I'll reiterate, who's your trustee, who's your executor, who's your guardian for your children, things of that nature. So aside from the vehicle of the plan, it's appointing who you think will implement your wishes. Got it. In a you know, in a ethical manner. Got it. And some of those things, you know, because I don't want the listeners to get scared of, of such a large number, but yeah, some of these no. things do not cost a lot of money. It's just simply a matter of checking in with your accounts and seeing what's going on. Right. And I know that you can, I mean, if you really don't have the money, you can draft up a will on some of these online sites. Yes. It might not be ideal, but it's better than having nothing. So It's better um, than having nothing because let's say, for instance, depending upon the state dictates and whether it's a common property state or, you know, so there's lots of moving parts legally, but, you know, getting something in writing will always dictate and supersede whatever the state statute is. So we want to make sure that people do something rather than just sit in inertia. And the one thing I will say, Melissa, that you address like with you and your husband, that oftentimes, obviously the finances is a part of the calculus when getting planning, but also it's just topics that they don't necessarily want to talk about because mm-hmm. there's there's some emotion tied into it and you may be coming from a different place than your spouse and have different interests. And so it's just super important to talk about it. I, I, I know I sound like a you know, broken record here, but getting it out in the open and then it's so much easier to have a plan after you all come to some decisions. Of course. Well, I did want to ask you, you are both a trust attorney and a financial advisor. So can you explain exactly what a trust attorney does? Sure. So a trust attorney is an estate attorney who their primary practice is setting up trust for their clients. And so we, uh, people use a trust for minors, for special needs children, for if they have um, any sort of blended family complexity where there's, they really want to make sure that they've got something in place for their spouse and their children and trying to avoid any sort of litigation or conflict after their passing, things of that nature. So a trust is just necessarily an estate planning vehicle that's a little more complex than a will, but addresses some of the the needs of your beneficiaries in a better way because a will is just an outright gift a, a distribution of your assets whereas trust is more of something that's retained and managed for the benefit of your beneficiaries so that's how it's different 
Okay, and so for people listening today, is it better for them to find someone like yourself who can take care of everything, or is that not necessary? Also, what, if anything, can be done on their own without an attorney? And I think we already talked a little bit about that already. Yeah, we did. And, and honestly, taking a look at your life insurance, your account beneficiaries, things of that nature, is a super easy way to do a lot of address a lot of issues right off the bat. And as far as, um, you know, what else to do, I think as far as who to speak with, it doesn't necessarily have to be a trust attorney or a financial planner or the two together. I think that a lot of people in the financial planning space don't have their legal or bar license or anything like that. So it's not necessary, but they're, they're accustomed to having conversations about money and, and asset distribution and things like that. So okay, just, and, and again, even if it's just a, a family counselor to help start the dialogue. Okay. Well, so now I'd love to read some questions that came in from sure. my listeners. Um, when I get some of these questions about things that I need an expert for, I kind of pile them on and I save them. <laughs> so I pull sure. these out of my pile. Um, the first one says, I'm about to get married for the second time, and I have two teenage children. I don't have any siblings or surviving parents, but I do have an inheritance. I love my future husband, and I don't anticipate a divorce, but even so, no one can predict the future. I want to make sure the inheritance is left for my kids, but I'm okay with the assets going to my husband. What do I need to do here? Also, do I need to pick a guardian for them? They're getting older, and I don't have any family to choose from. What should I do? <laughs> so th there's some moving parts to this question, but let me let me sort of address each question individually. Um, if she has an inheritance from her parents that she wants to go to her children, if it's held in a marital account, it's a marital property. So if something were to happen, let's say if her and her husband were unfortunately divorced, then it, her husband could take some of those assets. And then to, I think, even more precisely address her question, if something were to happen to her, then if she's okay with him going to her husband, she's just going to presume and hope that those assets are given to her kids at some day in the future. And right. so I don't think that's necessarily ideal if that's her wish. She could carve those assets out for her children. She could put it in any sort of uh, education account or uniform trust account that is just a bank account set up for her kids. So okay. they could do something to sort of take those assets off the marital financial table. Um, as far as guardian and without having any knowledge about the father of her children, the biological father would be the default guardian under most states' law. But as far as choosing a guardian outside of that, you want to make sure that it's someone who you believe can raise your kids in a manner that is relatively similar to what you would do. And what I always recommend is having a conversation with these people before you make the appointment, because the last thing you want to do is surprise a guardian with, surprise, Yes, you get to raise my kids. So um, a lot of people struggle with the guardianship appointment. It's obviously critical, but right. um, there are options for her. So I hope that Hope, hopefully that will address her question to some degree. Definitely. That was a great answer. Um, all right. I have another one here on guardianship. 
I've been with my wife for five years now, and we have three kids. I'm considerably older, and so my son is a grown adult. My wife has two young children, both elementary age. Because I'm older, I do anticipate that she will outlive me, and so I want to make sure that I have things set up for her. My problem is that my son doesn't like her, nor does he think she mm-hmm. should be entitled to anything. I love my son, but also love my wife and stepkids. I have no idea how to protect everyone in this and how to avoid conflict. Please help. <laughs> so this, you know, this rings very familiar to me. I hear this quite a bit. And this is something that can easily be addressed through planning and through open dialogue. And so the thing that jumps off to me right off the bat is the fact that the son doesn't like the his wife. Mm-hmm. So that's an inherent friction point right there. And if the son is expecting to be the primary beneficiary under the father's estate, then we could have some problems there. But he could very easily, in a will, or depending upon what other accounts that he holds, provide for his wife and her two children um, and then do some planning for the son if, if, if he wants to, if he wants to provide for his son as well. It's just, um, in this case, I think it's really super important for your listener who posed the question to, after he decides what he's going to do from a planning standpoint, and I think it's very important that he sit down with his son and explain to him his decisions and why. And so that there's no equivocation about what the father's intentions are with this with this situation. So hopefully that would help a post-mortem litigation between the adult son and the surviving wife. Yes. That that would that would be terrible. So can be addressed pretty easily. It just again takes some dialogue and some proactivity. Okay. Do you have time for one more? I do. Okay, good. And this last one says My husband and I are talking about writing up our wills. We each have children from previous marriages as well as stuff we've accumulated from those marriages. We also have a home together as well as things we've accumulated after our marriage. It's really hard deciding who gets what and honestly trying to decide has caused some pretty rough arguments. How can we do this fairly and without fighting? (laughs) Again, it's just... Communication. <laughs> Communication. And and that's really it. And being willing to have, to carve out some time to know and go in with an open mind. Don't, don't be close-minded to this. I think everyone, each spouse owes the other the attention and an, an ear to what their concerns are and what their wishes are. And then really trying to carve out something where they both feel like they've been heard and that their concerns are addressed. And that's really what needs to happen, especially in this case. They already know that there's some tension. And so this may be a great opportunity for them to just bring in a neutral party that has experience with blended families and can facilitate a dialogue without raising hackles as much as possible. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for answering those questions. I'm sure that is going to help many people who find themselves in similar situations, not just the people that wrote in. Now, we're going to wrap up, but before we do, I'd love to give you a chance to offer any last words of advice or even share anything important that I might have left out. So I just want to say this, Melissa, that just because my blended family had a a bad outcome and 
I, I'm not predicting that for everyone. And, and I, there are ways to avoid what I went through. And it's just really taking the time to um, consider what your options are and what's best for your family and your loved ones. And um, just take steps to, and every, all of your listeners who this has been a concern for them, when they do something, it will make them feel better. And it will sort of snowball into taking more and more actions to make sure that they've got a solid plan in place. So um, that's my word of advice. Just take some steps and then you'll, next thing you know, you'll be very comfortable in your planning and uh, in the outcome that's going to happen for your loved ones. Good. Well, that's great advice. And where do people find you if they want to work with you? Um, So they can go to our website. It's ircwealth.com or feel free to give me a call at 678-733-4358. And honestly, Melissa, I'm happy to have a conversation with any of your listeners just to help them sort of orient them in a way that they could take some steps on their own and, you know, no obligation or anything like that. I just, like you said, I want to, um, make something good come out of something that was really bad. Well, perfect. And I will add your links to the show notes as well. Michelle Thompson, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. It was such a pleasure. Thanks, Melissa. Listeners, I hope that you found today's show informative. Michelle's story is very touching, and if you need any help, reach out to her. She's even given us her number, which I have in the show notes for you. Like I said earlier, I know that we already covered estate planning with Katie Brewer, which was episode 135. If you haven't yet heard that and you find this topic interesting, you can go check out that episode as well. I tried to cover different things in both shows. The giveaway today is a copy of Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. I did already give away a copy of this book on another show giveaway, but it's a really good book. And since we covered finances again today, I thought it would be fitting. So the winner is Allison Newcomb. Allison, congrats. And I will be emailing you this week so that we can arrange for shipping on that. Remember, for your chance to win, all you need to do is join my list at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. Thank you all so much for listening. Please go have a fantastic week. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.